Marketing. Welcome to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Hello and welcome to the Winners Find a Way show. I am your host, Trent Clark. I am a serial entrepreneur and international speaker, and I am probably best known for a longtime coach in professional baseball coaching in three World Series. So I am with my friend and guest today, Joel Gandara. Joel, how are you doing, buddy? Fantastic. Good to be here, Trent. Man, I'm I'm thrilled to do the show because Joel and I met a couple of weeks ago down in Florida together, hanging out and just Man, as we just got talking, I'm just thought like, man, like you got to come on this show. It's so good. It's it's really exciting. So, Joel, first of all, to start before I kind of introduce this Cuban native, South Florida resident, entrepreneur extraordinaire, and one of the most intentional people I've ever met. Uh, Joel, tell them where they can find you. JoelGandara.com. That's the best way. That's it. That's it. And and you are an author of 31 Days to Becoming a Better Man. Tell right. me where they, they at Joel Gandark and they buy the book there. Or they got to go to Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. It's available there. And if they buy it on the website. I sign it. If they buy it on Amazon, then it just ships directly from Amazon. Yeah. It's cool so I want to, I want to come back to the book because first time author, you're diving into this pool, kind of fell into this coaching role because you've been a long time mentor and you and I first met through mentorship years ago. And to tell you a little bit about Joel Gandara, I was running a pretty prominent mentoring program in Chicago, Illinois, with just some world beaters. Right. And Joel on his own dollar comes up to Chicago to go like, Hey, we want to do this program in Florida. Like you're doing it. And of course, we're going to do it better because that's how Joel rolls. He just gets it better, like when he touches stuff. And so, and you, you come up and you spend some time with us. And, you know, that program is still booming in Florida, you know, now six, seven years later. Yeah, that's right. Again, this wasn't like I intended to become a paid coach or start a coaching business. I was just, I've been mentoring for about 20 years and I heard about what you were doing and I wanted to go and just learn how to be a better mentor. Yeah, it was uh, it was super cool to have you. And of course, uh, you know, I, I don't recall the date, but I'm sure if you were coming up to Chicago from South Florida, it was a summer month. Is that accurate? I don't know, but I remember being cold, so it probably wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it probably wasn't. that Well, I don't know. Even in the summer months, it probably feels pretty cold right. like up there when you're a South Florida man. All right, so let's start a little bit. You're the you're the CEO of Moral Capital, big fulfillment center. I mean, a real expertise in fulfillment. And you've got a bunch of brands in the retail space underneath that. The coaching was an offshoot because of these experiences. Very unique process to your fulfillment and moving with these digital aids, the digital time, obviously Amazon, Shopify, these brands just continue to be a maven for online retailers. Walk us through like, hey, how, how, how'd you get into that? Like, how did that, this is important and how this is going to make better for your business? 
Yeah. And that's why I started in the fulfillment business. It was just for myself. I, everything's been very organic. The steps were careful and always thinking, what if it scaled? What if this became a business? But it wasn't the intention. The intention was I was wholesaling at the time and, and that was easy. That was a, an old school business. You go to a trade show in Vegas or Paris or wherever, you take orders on paper, you go back and then you ship it out of your warehouse, very manual. And then I had an opportunity to buy a business. It was one of my customers. It was an e-commerce business. And when I bought that, I said, okay, the game has to change here. Mm. There's a lot more SKUs. There's a lot more products and it's got to ship out every day. And we can't do it the old fashioned way. It's not paper. They're coming in through the computer, right? And this is groundbreaking back then. Like, how do I handle this? We had to develop a system. We developed that system. It's worked very well. We continued to acquire businesses. And then we started showing it to people, friends, and then we started getting fulfillment clients who said, you're doing it really well, better than me. I'd like to hire you to do that. So that's how it kind of evolved. Well, and I think that's such a great, like a natural evolution, right? You are a pretty significant retailer in the men's underwear space, which is really cool, right? Because what most people don't know about you is that people are not going to see you on the street and go, hey, that's the men's underwear king of the world, right? This is not your go-to. Or they're also probably not going to see your your personal net worth because you were a pretty down-to-earth, simplistic, like bare-bone guy, almost a minimalist. Is that fair? Very true. Yeah. And you're wearing your signature black t-shirt. You know, you remind me, I, I, you know, I coach with Coach Saban, you know, and at now the Alabama football coach. And you know, he's a he's a very methodical, hey, I've got a ton of decisions to make in my day. What I'm gonna wear, that's already laid out and decided. What I'm gonna eat, that's already decided. Like I don't want to think about those. So he's very regimented in those things because they're just taking those decisions out of his day. Can you can you identify with that? A hundred percent. Even though I don't have a standard uniform, maybe like him or like a Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg. Right. I don't I don't practice anything like that, but my life is very simple. Absolutely. With physical things, with automobile, home. I mean, I have a nice house and a nice neighborhood and all of that, but there's nothing over the top. I always say that if a burglar came into my house, he'd be very disappointed. I don't even own a wedding (laughs) ring. I don't own a chain. I don't own a watch. Very simple. Oh, and by the way, like as a Latin man, right? Like in South Florida, those are rarities, right? Like culturally, like the jewelry, these are status symbols. There's all sorts of things. And and you do live in a pretty nice neighborhood in fairness. Okay. So they probably would like to break into your house because a lot of neighborhood in your house have a lot of nice stuff. Right. And and like you said, they're going to be disappointed. Like they're going to be like, Oh sure. man, like, oh, here's another thing that most people don't know about you. You don't have a TV in your house and you do not have cable. Well, we have TVs. Oh, we you don't do have, have TVs. cable. No okay. cable. So okay. the TV, I do have one thing. Because, yeah, I don't watch news. I haven't watched it in seven or eight years. Zero. I don't know anything of what's happening in the world. However, I will tell you this. I do have YouTube premium. And the reason for that is right before I go to bed, I'll put on a documentary or a podcast. I just like to hear talking. So I put that on. I put the sleep timer for 15 minutes, 30 minutes. So I do fall asleep to that. I just mm-hmm. don't do this. I don't sit and watch anything, yeah. uh, especially not news or bad things or anything. I just want to hear the conversations, get educated a little bit as I fall asleep. That's it. I love it. All right. Let's go back a little bit to the beginning and set up before you ever start your business. You are Cuban American, man. I mean, and really Cuban born. And for most people in our world, they hear about like, oh man, someone defected from Cuba and they want a better life for themselves. 
And, you know, they got a, I think, I think people's mind, Joel, they got a ticket on the love boat and, you know, just floated over and was welcomed armed with, you know, oh, just welcome to America. And I don't think that's the scenario. So walk me through, cause you're a four year old boy. When, when your father says, Hey, Hey, we have to do this. Yeah, walk us through so, that a little bit. So I came in the 1980 Mariel boat lift, about 120,000 Cubans came out. It was a max exodus to Key West. And the whole thing was rough. You know, we spent a few days at this sort of internment camp, just waiting in Cuba to be let go. And we weren't treated well. We were traitors. Literally, that's what Fidel Castro called us, traitors for leaving the motherland and all of this. We spent days there, no food, no shower, just waiting. Finally got on a boat, a dilapidated, destroyed boat. The capacity my dad says was about 70, I think is what he read on the thing. And it was about 150 of us on there. So you can imagine they're tightly squeezed. It took half a day to get here. You know, it wasn't a powerful boat. And there was an, a storm for about four hours. That I remember clearly. I remember being at that camp. I remember lining up and feeling pressure from the military guys over there. But I remember that boat ride because when it went up, I remember I'd look around and it was sky. It felt like you're in an airplane. But when it dropped, which was instantly, it was happening really fast. It was four walls of water. You know, you'd look all the way around, it was just water. And this went on for four hours. Oh. When you're four years old and you have a decent memory, because I do have a pretty good memory, that ingrains itself. I think about that every single day. In fact, to me, for multiple reasons, uh, I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but for multiple reasons, to remind me of that, to tell me where I'm here, the reason of my why, why I'm here on this earth. I walk into my closet every day, my shirts are all straight like this, but there's one shirt like that. It's facing me. And it's the shirt that I wore on the boat when I got here. It's the only thing I have from Cuba, but it's my constant reminder of, oh, yeah, I went through that. I got through it. I'm okay. And now I have this tremendous opportunity to get ahead. And that's my constant reminder. Uh, mm. it's, it, it's not forgotten. It's very vivid in my mind. Yeah. And I think like it's so impactful how you've used that to shape your life. But, you know, and I think this is where a lot of people miss those things because it's not easy to lean into the pain, right? I mean, most of us, we get the pain and we go, oh, I want, I just want to forget that. I like to run away from that because, and then, and then it's got kind of control over us, right? And you're kind of leaning into it on a daily basis saying, hey, this is going to serve. And now I've got to go serve that pain because I don't, I don't want to return there. I don't want my kids to have to feel that. Like there's a lot of responsibility in a man's life on that as a provider and, and on that side. So I, I love like that you, that you use it, you know, and I think, most people are kind of, you know, there's, there's one thing about like when I went through like abuse counseling as a, as a, as an adult, really. And I remember going through this in one of the so key terms that I remember was I want to revisit some things from that time. I don't want to relive it. And yeah, I mean, revisit it to get the lessons out of it. Yes. But I don't want to relive it. So I'm always like stuck with the, as, as the five or six year old boy in, in this situation without control, without, you know, all these things. And can you, could you identify with that? Yeah, hundred percent. I put myself in uncomfortable situations constantly. I usually, unless I have a passenger in the car, I will drive in South Florida, very hot and humid with my windows down. Aside from the fresh air that I prefer to breathe, I want to sweat. I want to feel it. I get in the mornings in my cold tub. It's very cold. The water's in the 30s or 40s, and I do that in the morning. I also have a, a sauna at home, and I'll get in there, and I'll let myself sweat out, you know, and I'll drink waters and, and electrolyte, and I'll 
take care of my body. But I like being in those uncomfortable situations over a lifetime now, or at 47 years old, I've realized that those exercises of being uncomfortable have paid off in life. I, if I just sat in air conditioning all day or in a nice warm house or comfort, comfortable, I think that would have limited me on some of the things because I've had some tough moments in my life and those have, I've gotten past them. So I built the calluses and I got stronger because of it. And sometimes life gets a little too easy. And I think all of us live a too easy life in the West. We have air conditioning, food on demand, delivery if you want, whatever you want to eat. Everything's really, really easy. And so I want to make myself just not forget. Just like, you know, I played baseball up until my first year in college when I got hurt and I still have the calluses. I don't play baseball anymore, but the calluses are there. And to me, that's a good thing. Nothing's going to cut my hand. Uh, recently, I was with a bunch of kids. We went camping with my uh, daddy-daughter trip. And something hit my hand really hard. And my daughter said, oh, you didn't even bleed. And all the little girls were looking at my hand. And I go, no, you know what? No, because it's all callous. It's really hard. So that's what I want to be like internally, too. I want to keep practicing it being tough so that life doesn't destroy me or make me whimper and become a victim. Yeah. And one of the things you practice being tough is, you know, as a 47-year-old man, most people don't think, hey, Joel, you should start doing some jujitsu. Like, you know, like, you know, this is a pretty young person's game, man. This is like wrestling. It's it's ground wrestling, ground fighting often called. And man, I mean, it's physical. I mean, it tests your body and it's it's a very physical, emotional, and moral test to a person when you get into these, you know, hey, holds on the ground with somebody else one-to-one and, and the training is is severe. Oh, yeah. Is, is this why you chose it? Uh, I chose it because I got invited by a former Navy SEAL, Jocko Willink, to work out yep. with him in San Diego. And I flew out and spent time with him, spent a day with him. And one-on-one it was fantastic. But I had no idea which, about jujitsu other than I saw UFC one voice Gracie years ago. Yeah. Uh, I saw that. That's all I knew about it. So I went and trained for a month and then I flew out to visit Jocko. And then I had such a addiction just in that first month that now it's been two and a half years. I'm a blue belt now. Yeah. I get my butt kicked every single night in the Academy and that's fine. But, but what you said, it really makes you resilient. I'm five foot nine, 172 pounds. I'm going against guys who are six, three, 220, you know, or whatever size, it doesn't really matter. But when someone that big lays on you and puts their force, they're not just laying calmly, they're pushing into your rib cage and they're squashing you, you feel like quitting. And I feel proud that one of those big, very big guys, the biggest guy I think I've ever gone against uh, at the end of a role once told me, you know, for the last few weeks he was visiting from Brazil. He says, I've been crushing everybody, just putting weight and getting them to tap, tap out, submit just from this. And he goes, you, you're the guy who holds it the longest. And I like that, you know, yeah. while I it, and I want to tap. I just try to remind myself, you're not going to die a little pressure right here. Our rib cages are strong enough. Our muscles are strong enough. You can fight this guy. Just let's see what happens and go an extra minute and another, just till the bell rings. Right. So to me, those are the little victories that you get out of there. You take a shower, you go home and you feel pretty good about yourself. I just put myself through something really physically difficult. And I do believe because the brain is physical. I do believe that that physical challenge here does pay off on the brain too. Because again, it's physical. It pays off all over. So that's why yeah, I do I love it, man. So Jocko's a pretty big dude, isn't he? Yeah, he's not big in height. He's 5'10". I mean, he's an inch taller. Than oh, he's 5'10". Okay, I thought he was bigger. I thought he was like a 6'2 guy. He's no, thick. He yeah, the shoulders are wide. He's a big guy, very strong. Yeah. He's did, you, did you get on the mat? Did you do the roll? You know that we ended up, I have a whole, it would be a whole other thing, but... 
I have a funny story where we didn't. We spent the day together, but this is crazy. I'm the most punctual person you'll ever meet. I get to a party an hour before. I'm usually helping put up decorations at a party because I'm an early bird. I get to everything early. Went to San Diego. My morning was planned and my afternoon was going to be all Jocko to the evening. The morning was whale watching with my wife in San Diego. And the night before we got a notice, your trip's not 9 a.m. It's been pushed to 10. Okay. And then while we were on there, it was so foggy, we had to come in an hour later, right? Mm. Now it's getting, the whole day got very complicated and tight. But my calendar, which I live by my calendar, said Jocko 7 p.m. I told my wife, let's get there ridiculously early. Let's get there like at five and check out his place and, and hang out. And if we can, we'll talk to him early. If not, we'll hang out with him after. And then the phone rang, 619 number. And I hear Joel. And I go, Jocko? And he goes, yeah, where are you at? And I said, well, I know I'm going to see you at seven. And he goes, no, 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 seven Eastern. It's four Pacific. And then I look at my calendar. I go, hold on, Jocko. I look at my calendar. It jumped and refreshed to 4 p.m. I don't know. And you're late. That That's never happened to me. Yeah. And I am never late to anything yeah. ever. I'm so proud of that. I love that yeah. I go an hour early to everything. So I go, Jocko, you're not going to believe this. It was different in my calendar. And all right, I'm on my way. I flew. I got there in like 20 minutes. And, and as I was driving there, I said, Jocko, I feel so bad. Let's put off the jujitsu because I know it's going to spend a lot of time in the morning at the beginning of the time. Let's have dinner. And we hung out at the podcast studio and he showed me everything. We had a great time. Walked to dinner, walked back. I did not get to roll. And that was the number one reason that I was going to roll with him. Yeah, that's that's funny. I was going to say, like, yeah, he's a pretty tough dude, man. Like, it's no joke. The training. I mean, but, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's always interesting because you talk about confidence of prep and reps. Right. Like, first of all, you don't want to get in a role without being some significant physical preparation. Like it, it's going to be hard. Right. And and then, you know, you're not going to get confident until you get reps. Like, hey, man, I, I've, I've done some roles. I've done some things like, you know, jumping out of the gate with a Jocko on the first role is probably like a really bad idea. Right. Yeah, but He would have taken care of me. You know, that's the thing about black belts in jujitsu. They know what they're doing even though the crazy white belt does it and they take care of you. They're the one to keep you from getting hurt. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That's interesting. Right. So through this mentorship, you talk about your, your new book, 31 days to becoming a better man. You have a coaching program for that. You know, people can sign up for your coaching program. You know, what's the premise of writing that, you know, like, Hey man, do, do men need to need to learn how to become better? If someone ever says, I don't have to become better. There's a problem there. Right there, right there, man. I've been working on myself every day, and I'm going to be better tomorrow than I am today. I'm always looking to improve in every single aspect of my life. I create rules for myself, and I make sure I don't break them. I create challenges for myself that nobody knows what I'm up to right now. You don't know what I'm about to go do in an hour from now, but I might be doing this challenge. So I've been coaching. I've been fortunate enough to coach very successful men, mostly men. I've coached some women, but it's mostly men. And these are 1% earners. Yeah. These are guys doing very well, making yep. a million plus net, you know, making very good money. Some of these guys making many millions and I've gotten to learn very good habits from them. So aside from me trying to teach what I know, I get to learn as well. Right. For sure. So, so that has helped me see, like it gives me confirmation on the things that I've been doing well. And that taught me new things. And I've been piecing those together and I've been building challenges for my coaching clients for a long time. So I get to now Create, I created a program. So now it's not just one-on-one coaching. What I've done is it's a class of sorts, even though there's no physical sitting around. What we're doing is a WhatsApp group and a Zoom call every week. And we put a couple dozen men together and we follow challenges. Every single day, we'll read a chapter 
and then we'll execute on that day's chapter. And then we'll talk about it in the WhatsApp at each guy's liberty whenever they're able to. And like I said, we check in on a Zoom. What I found is that I may have a challenge in there today to go unhoard yourself, go into your closet and throw something away physically. And you and I might say, well, that's a piece of cake. I'll go there. I don't need this thing and throw it away. There's somebody with some bottled up issues. And when they were a kid, they couldn't let go of things. And it reminds them of their parent or whatever it is. That's an extremely challenging day for them, but a day that they're going to benefit from tremendously. And then they got this group of 24 guys all looking to improve themselves, all successful. I haven't had one loser in these programs yet. And they get to support them and help them and talk. And some will say, hey, sounds like you're having trouble with that. Give me a call. And I do that too. I'm out here in the group. I'll, I'll put my calendar and I'll say, give me a call today and we'll talk about it. And so we're just supporting each other to get through all of this. And that's what it is. It's just becoming better. I think we should all shoot to become better at whatever we do all the time. Nice. Okay. I love it. Let's come back to the beginning where, you know, one of the things you, you know, you told me, I want to honor this because like, I didn't grow up this way. Right. I grew up from a parent. I was the youngest of four kids with a dad that worked and my mother didn't. And my dad had a master's degree in accounting and he was a college instructor and he started his own side hustle, you know, like learning how to, you know, everyone's asking, Hey, can you do my taxes? So he just starts a little firm, you know, and, and I don't think it was, Hey man, I'd love to spend my free time on this. It was like, Hey man, we need the revenue to feed these kids. Right. So we were pretty middle-class cause he was hustling, you know? So I didn't grow up without, but you're an extremely successful guy. And you told me four words like that. I've never heard anyone say, which was well, I guess it's five, like growing up poor doesn't matter. And I, you know, and you know, you hear people talk about that. Oh, you know, it would have been different, but I grew up poor. Like, wait, what? Like, you know, and I, I'm challenged by that because when I was in a charity with all pro dad, I was always vexed by kids who were, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. And they thought their lives would be just like their father's in prison or, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute, they made their decisions. You don't have to, I couldn't understand like, that's them. That's not you. And they were like, Hey, that's just, is going to be me because that's what happens. And they didn't have those people in their neighborhood as role models. The role models were, were crap. Like they were, they were in the going in the wrong direction. And I assumed that because you grew up in a, in a similar environment, the role models were the same. They were role models. They just weren't good ones. So how do you navigate that from there and that mindset to get to here? Yeah. So absolutely, it doesn't matter if you grow up poor. I think we're in a society that loves to promote the victim to keep them down, to say, oh, poor you because of your skin color, because of where you're born, because of the way you were brought up. Poor you. You're never going to make it. Absolutely not. There are examples. The media won't talk about those examples as much because it doesn't suit their narrative to keep pushing this horrible story. And uh, I, I never fell for any of that. I am glad that I was born poor, but I think I could have had success either way. For me, it was maybe a little extra advantage to be born poor because it gave me that hunger that I didn't want to be in this anymore. But I always had that positivity of I could probably work my way out of this if I do certain things. And I saw my dad hustle. My parents both worked really hard. They had their full time job. And then they were always doing something on the side for my mom in the beginning. When, you know, my mom in Cuba was a physics teacher. That doesn't mean she made a lot of money. That doesn't mean they were, my dad was an electrician in a government shop in Cuba. Obviously, no matter what job you had, you were poor in Cuba. But when we came here, my mom cleaned hotel rooms at the Sir Francis Drake Hotel in San Francisco. Mm. So she's 
started at the very bottom. She never became a teacher because she didn't speak English. And it's hard when you're in your 30s to come with two little kids and a full-time job where you're not really learning the language. You're just folding beds. And my dad would fix people's TVs and just make whatever he could. Then he got a little job and never made much money. In fact, I was maybe in my 20s, I was already making more than my parents combined, right? They never made very much money, but none of that mattered. Oh, in fact, I'll tell you, I'll share this because you said about bad role models. The guy making the best money and with the best car in my neighborhood growing up just outside of Oakland, California was a drug dealer. I mean, a well-known drug dealer. The cops actually walked by before and asked me questions when I was a kid, like, hey, do you know that guy? Or you're looking, we're looking for him. That's the type of neighborhood that I grew up in, but I could have made the choice too. I did make the choice. I either follow in those footsteps or I do something different to get out of this because I knew I didn't want to be in there. So yeah, I hope that that could be taught to kids, that, that the examples of people like myself or many other great examples better than mine that grew up in the worst conditions and look where they are today, just by actions that they take every single day. You're not a victim to anything. You decide every single day, every single moment what you're going to do. And I, lo- I, look, I look at life that way. It's always like this. There's a crossroad. Right now, I could have been on this call or I could have not. Later, I got to do this thing or I could not. And I have to think about it. Is it worth it? Is it good? Is it the right thing to do? And take that better choice every time. Yeah, I love that, man. Like, that's so good. And I, and I do think the way, you, the way you described the victim mentality and the acceptance of it, like it's almost promoted. It, it really is like, you know, it's, it, it's interesting to me because rules and boundaries like even and even religion, like a Ten Commandments, you know, that's awful for you. That's not, but those are guidelines, and and it talks about in that book. Hey, get this, and you will have freedom. And like, no, no, no. How can I have freedom with rules? People tell me what to do. I don't want any rules because I want freedom. And man, I've seen so many people take that approach and they are prisoners of the decisions they've made because it's just about me feeling good right now. And the consequence of those actions just have negative effects. And sometimes even incarceration, right? Because it's today. It's like what I felt like I should do because I don't want to feel good today, right now, in this moment, without any consequence that I just took somebody's car. I just took their money because I wanted to go out with my friends and have a great time. And you're like, man, you, you thought you were going to get freedom from that world. Like it's the exact opposite. And they're pushing and selling that. And it's amazing that people are buying. Need to hydrate but tired of plain old water? You need Rebellious Infusions. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. 10 organic flavors and convenient liquid packets. Just add 16 ounces and you are on your way. Rethink your drink at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. If you are a business or organization leader and want expert advice, coaching, and guidance to help you build your team to be the best, then email Trent directly at Trent at leadershipity.com or connect with him at Trent M. Clark on LinkedIn.